Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Tuesday episode. In today's episode, we talk the three co-hosts all together, Alvar, Matthias and I, Araminta. We discuss our personal savings rates of this year, the return of our investments and how our definition of financial dependence has changed. A lot has happened in the past year and we kind of wanted to recapitulate everything to one episode. We also talk about how far the podcast has gone, some numbers, some interesting numbers, and where we'd like to be in one year, what are our plans for the next coming months. So a very interesting episode. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Erminta, and Matthias. So, Matthias, can you enlighten us about your cycles and what you've accomplished so far? I'm going from January this year up to November 2019. Where has your life been? And maybe let's get started. What has your savings rate been? Thank you for the question and I will enlighten you. Savings rate is always something that I don't like to calculate um, because it takes too long. It's about um, in the first half of the year, it was approximately 36%. And since since I have been in parental leave, it's crashed to kind of zero. <laughs> or maybe 5%. And it's different every month, but that was expected. Yeah, I want to increase it uh, again to to 36%, but actually maybe 40. 40 would be better. And as you know, I am married recently, so I have a better tax class now. So I hope I can up it to like 40%. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's realistic given that I pay a shit ton of tax and pay for the kindergarten in Cologne. And also having an active life and pay for hobbies like podcasting and so on. Yeah, maybe also interesting the ROI. I haven't calculated my overall ROI, which is actually pretty interesting. So I should do that. So combining the ROI of my cash and um, other assets to see the overall ROI. I can just tell you that my stocks made um, 13% since February, the one portfolio. Um, another portfolio made just 5%. P2P is performing really good with 13%. Uh, I needed to change a couple of things there recently. Um, I have an option portfolio with uh, 35% increase since uh, since last, it's more than a year, maybe a one and a half. Crypto 0%, basically, and savings um, accounts, I would say 2%. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm keeping a, a shit ton of cash right now to buy also real estate and be flexible when uh, there is a downturn in the economy. Yes, that's it. Uh, I had the goal to reduce my peer-to-peer -peer allocation. Uh, it's not done right now, just a little bit. So I have to work on that, um, uh, but I have two months more until the end of the year. So that would, should be fine. Cool. Two questions, Matthias. What was the initial SR you were aiming at early in January? Because I believe it was also like 35, 36%, right? Yes. But you wanted to accomplish or set as a goal. And when you mention all these asset classes and the returns you've been making, what are kind of like the rough ways you're allocating them? Because like a return of 35% for options, you know, would be amazing if 80% of your portfolio is in there. But I know it, it isn't, and I know you have calculated exactly, but like, how are you dividing yourself right now besides having 30% in cash? 
first of all, the savings rate, it's really cool to set realistic goals. Um, so if you set a goal for 80% uh, savings rate in a, in Germany, paying that much uh, amount of tax, it's, it's not realistic. So yeah, for the next year, realistic goals are better. And the allocation is like 25-ish percent to maybe 70, uh, 27% P2P, same amount in stocks. Now I need to be able to calculate percent. <laughs> Something, something like that. So, so really, I would say 25% P2P, 25 to 30% uh, stocks, and the rest is cash and crypto and option. Option is at, is less than 5%. So that's the problem. I just tried it out and um, see how it goes. And now that it's working, I maybe increase it uh, to uh, 1% or 2% more. But that's it. I don't want to spend too much on the options because it's risky. Nice one. And then the question actually most looking forward to, because you've been enjoying the FI lifestyle kind of a little bit over the last months with parental leave. Can you run us through? How's it been? How's it been like not to work, work for yourself a bit, focus on your own goals? Has your definition and your idea of FI like changed? Do you still want it to be or happen? Um, pretty good question. First of all, the I really liked the vacation of, of uh, four weeks. Um, that was really uh, amazing also to spend some time. But after, after a month, I really needed to go back to the laptop <laughs> also to work on some, some projects. And then I had a month, um, helping with my daughter to get her running in the uh, daycare or kindergarten stuff. And, um, it was really good to also to have some time to work on my own projects to also to relax if you need it and to be able to make your own decisions. If you want to travel somewhere, if you want to, to do a client meeting, if you want to meet somebody, it's, it's, it's really good. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately it was just a month. <laughs> uh, so I would like to extend it maybe to, um, 30 years or something. And my, 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 also my definition of if I changed a bit, I'm not focusing too much on, on the savings rate. I focus on joy or to keep myself alive and not to compromise with my health. And also on growth, so personal growth. So I also spent some money on, on learning new things in, in my parental leave, like tax, like sales, like also thinking about my career and my strengths, where I'm good at. And that also takes time. And that's, I would call it transformation costs. And I hope that's paying off somehow in the future. And I really like learning new things. So that's why I'm, I'm happy to spend on learning. A nice one. And I also recall a couple of months back, actually, when I called you, you were in the middle of a tax workshop and you were telling me to talk or I'll call you back later because the workshop itself was so interesting. And you met all kinds of people that were like really also were into the FI mindset and that the workshop itself, I mean, it's, it's going to save you a ton on tax, right? Investing a little bit of time and your money in that workshop, but going there, having the time to actually visit those workshops investing yourself probably also just you know having the peace of mind not to think about work for a little bit and yeah, focus on that on itself that's true and uh, you always also connect with other people um having the same issues 
I also actually learned a lot from the Startenlos episode. So what uh, I think the pushing the boundaries, what what is possible in saving tax, um, there's a lot uh, to learn. But for now, in in Germany, it's very restricted, and it was uh, very good to to learn about legal ways uh, how to optimize. But in in the end, you, you have to you have to see that if you want to really save, you have to do your you create your own business, because otherwise, as an employee, it's it's very limited what you can do. So it doesn't hurt to have at least part-time your own business to save some tax. And uh, what is more, I, um, I also recognize that this, this past, like saving um, 20, 20 years in ETFs and um, yeah, having a high savings rate, that's not, not for me. I think, um, it's, I think it's better also to pursue your own business and um, yeah, to leverage that um, to, to go FI faster. Because even after maybe... 10, 20 years, you're not, not rich. You maybe have like 600,000 euros, maybe 800, whatever. That's, that's not, that's an amount you need uh, to live comfortable. You need uh, in central Europe, you need more, at least like 2 million or one and a half. <laughs> so Matthias, thank you so much for enlightening us with uh, where you've been over the last nine months and where the future will bring you nine, actually 11. But we also got something really awesome going on. We refound our long lost uh, team member, who's rejoining us after nine months. Well, not nine, she has done episodes in the Seven past months. in between, but together uh, again with the three of us for the first time in nine months. Uh, reappearance of Araminta. Araminta, awesome to have you back. Hello. Yeah, I'm back. Her personal interviewer in this case will be our only one. Well, only one, the actual only real one we've got, Matthias. Matthias, fire away. Arminta, so um, thank you for being here again. And can you yeah, tell us what, what uh, actually update us on your goals for 2019 and some of your personal goals, maybe? Probably 2020. But um, yeah, thank you for asking, Matthias. So a lot, of, a lot has happened since the last update. I actually just listened to the episode. We published the episode 29 on the 1st of January. It was like a little surprise. And I listened to it and I couldn't help but laughing because <laughs> my goals are, yeah, a lot, a lot happened, you know, unexpected things happened. And um, so I, I guess I'll start, I'll start the same way you did, Matthias. Savings rate, I have good news. It increased from 15% to 20%. And I'll explain later how and why. And the reason why it's such an accurate number is because, uh, because I'm freelancing I don't save whatever I can. I save, like, I whenever I get a, an income, so it, whether it's 500 euros or just 50 euros, I always calculate 20% and then I send that off to my emergency fund account. So I do it kind of the opposite way around. I don't, um, I don't just save whatever I can. I save that percentage specifically. So that was my savings rate. Return on investment, I just checked my Vanguard account and it's 15.31%. That's pretty cool. But that's because it's a bull market and we all know that um, once there is a downturn, as you said, it will drastically decrease. And I'm absolutely fine with that. So whatever. Has your definition of financial dependence changed? Yes, drastically. And not just the definition of financial dependence, but also my perspective of the financial dependence movement and the community. I'm much more skeptical of the FI dream now. And I don't, I'm not such a big believer in compound interest, but this is for another episode. I think me and Alva will do an episode on this or, or I don't know how we'll do it, but yeah, I'm, I'm much more skeptical about, you know, FI in general, not, not the, um, 
not, not the practical stuff, that's always very important, but more the dream, you know, the dream of reaching financial independence. I'm much more skeptical about it. Not, not in a negative way, more like, you know, there are maybe better ways to, I don't know, better ways to live life. Well, no, it's really hard to explain, but I'll, we'll do it. We'll do an episode about it. So, uh, I listened to episode 29 and in that episode, my goals were <laughs> to build a six month emergency fund and to make money working abroad. So I did not manage to build a six month emergency fund. I stick, I had a two month emergency fund, but I still managed to go to um, Asia and I did work abroad. And it was even better than expected because I did not get a job. I was freelancing and I got a ton of clients and I achieved, I guess, my main goal, which subconsciously was the main goal of all these other uh, things that I was mentioning in episode 29, which is I managed to make a full-time income freelancing. I hit more than a thousand euros a month. And this month is going to be my highest ever, which is going to be nearly 2000. So I'm very happy to say that I did it. I did my, I managed to meet my first goal about three months ago. That's very exciting. And if you had told me this one year ago, I would have been like, that's, that's crazy. I can't believe it. But <laughs> there is another challenge that I did not really expect that any other freelancer will know what I'm talking about is that, yeah, it's great once you hit that. But the next goal is to keep it up, right? The next challenge is to keep um, making that amount every single month. And three clients just told me they need to take a break. So <laughs> um, we'll see how I can keep that up. I will also probably talk about this in another episode, but I am building a website for purely for my freelancing and... Um, We'll see how that go goes. It's ma mainly for the Malaysian market. Yeah, I, I was in Malaysia, by the way. Uh, that's where I found a huge, um, a, a huge gap in the market for something that I do, and uh, this is why I'm able to make this full time income. I'll talk about this later. The other thing that's very interesting, or something that happened to me, I got a two month emergency fund, but because I was making money, I was able to, you know, keep it up. And then something happened while I was in Malaysia. I got very sick. I was admitted into hospital and I had like three, I, ha I got a back injury and then that was not too bad. But then I got some horrendous virus that affected my optic nerves. And anyway, it's, it's not very exciting, but it's just that I realized how horrendous it is to, to worry about money when you're sick, how fragile really life is. Actually, it, it, it was so bad that I, I'm, I'm back in Spain right now, actually, because I wanted to come here to fix it. I didn't want to stay in Malaysia. But the, the big mindset shift that this brought about was that I realized that how important it is to have an emergency fund, really, to, to, and how valuable it is to be making money. It's ironic because the first month that I hit my 1,000 euro goal is the month when all the health stuff started happening and nearly all my income was going to medical bills. So you can imagine what a wake-up call that was. And I realized that, yes, career is a priority. Career is very important, but you really do want to be making money too because emergencies happen. And I'm 20, you know? I thought this kind of stuff happened to you when you're older or when you're... But no, here I am. So I really understood the importance of having an emergency fund and that my little two-month emergency fund was definitely not enough. And I was lucky to still have the money to buy a ticket home, right? 
And here I have the public health system, so I'm okay. And I'm still making money, so it's okay. But still, it really kind of woke me up. And it made me realize that when you're young, and I, I'm, I keep talking about career exploration, career testing, and I'm still a big believer of that. But really, it's a balancing act. It's about balancing three main things, and that is career exploration, making money, and lifestyle. And sometimes you're going to find that you're going to have to sacrifice one of these. Or sometimes you do one after another. You make money and then you go career exploring. And it's all about trying to you know, manage these three. And I also realized how flexible and how amazing it is to make a decent income online. I was spending nearly every single day in the hospital. If I had had a job, it would have been so difficult to manage. But because I was a freelancer and I was working online, I could work from the hospital room. I could work from the cafeteria. And I, I, I wanted to work because it was distracting and it gave me purpose, you know. So it's not like per you, you had to work. No, no, I wanted to work. So it made me realize that... Um, how valuable it is to make income online, the flexibility that, that it gives you. And that sometimes, you know, it's very nice to career test and to do internships, but it is true that it's, they don't pay you much. And if you're able to make a decent income online, then you can do whatever you want. You, you're not anxious about, oh God, I'm going to do this internship and they're paying me nothing. No, you're, you feel more confident because, and it puts you in a position of power when negotiating salary, when negotiating with clients, because you know you're making enough, so you're not desperate for this money. And this is exactly the position that I found myself in. I was making a good amount. Well, by my standards, it's a decent amount of money. And this gave me so much confidence. I was not expecting it. It gave me confidence with new clients. It gave me confidence with employers. I turned down three or four jobs in Malaysia because I was like, I'm sorry, but I enjoy my flexibility too much. It's huge confidence boost. Uh, I, I, I was hosting events in Malaysia. I was able to do some traveling and a lot of stuff. And this is really thanks to being able to freelance online. So really huge value in that. Just the, the thing that was missing is that all my expenses were going to medical bills. So I wasn't really able to build my emergency fund. Now it's pretty much zero, my emergency fund. So um, talking now I have to talk about my, my biggest goals for 2020 the main one would be, once again, rebuild that six-month emergency fund to then give me, you know, a buffer in case this kind of stuff happens again. And my second big goal is to set up this website. Uh, I don't want to say agency, really, because I'm not hiring anyone else at the moment, but I could say one-person agency. So this is what I'm doing now to cater to this demand that I've found in Malaysia. It's huge. I think it's a huge demand. I'm still in the testing, experimenting phase. So I don't want to get too excited or say anything yet. But my goal is to set this website up, keep it, get it up and running and keep up, as I said before, keep up this freelance full-time income that I'm, that I'm earning because it's given me so much freedom and so much less stress. I've finally understood the value in <laughs> making money. So that's, um, that's been very valuable. I've learned a lot of lessons and it's really funny how, even on the blog or the podcast, I, I can look back on what I used to think was right and what was true. And it keeps changing every year, every six months. So that's why I realized I, it's hard for me to take lessons for other people because they keep changing. So anyway, I hope my experience is useful to others and that they can maybe take some actionable advice from that. Don't know what you think. What do you think, guys? I think that's seriously well done. You're going all the way out to Malaysia. Um, 
with two months emergency fund, a little bit of freelance income and over there building it up, getting yourself this freelance income and effectively being self-sustainable as you know, it might've been hard in many different ways, but I think that's seriously awesome. And I have two last questions and I will also let Matthias pitch in with his before we fire away with them. Uh, one would be, could you just reveal like, how have you been earning this money? Like what has your actual freelance work been? And one thing you didn't mention is the geo arbitrage aspect you also added into this because you were earning a European income level, right? 1500 or a thousand euro a month. You must have lived like a king like that besides the medical components in Malaysia. And I'll let uh, Matthias chip in with his questions and then we'll go from there. Sure. Um, to answer your questions, I think we should do a sep separate episode about this because I could go on forever. But Mainly, I call myself a freelance fintech writer or copywriter. So I identified that there's a booming startup world in Malaysia and they need copywriters because it's cool in Malaysia. Everyone speaks English, but the writing, it's not so great. So they need people like me who can write English and I'm not an amazing writer, but I can write pretty well. And I cater to the fintech startups, but this kind of snowballed and I have clients in prop tech, in insure tech, and I also write website copy. And I, <laughs> it was really cool. I even did a flyer for a Halloween, uh, for Halloween, for um, um, a big shopping mall. So it's really, it started with fintech writing, but it's kind of expanded to other things. And when I talk about the gap in the market, what I'm talking about is basically copywriters, good copywriters. Malaysia is, is lacking good copywriters. And um, this is the kind of market that I want to cater to. And your other question is, you're completely right. This is kind of the reason why I wanted to be in Southeast Asia is that my rent was like half of what I would pay here in Barcelona and food is extremely cheap. I was eating on less than two euros when I was eating out. Cinema would cost me five euros, you know, entertainment in general was super cheap and traveling super cheap also. So yeah, I, you're completely right. The lifestyle was extremely high. So when I was talking about balancing act between career lifestyle and the money, I was finding myself in a position where I was meeting these three you know, not, not full on, but, but I was meeting them three, these three. And that's what, that's the huge amount of opportunity, not just Malaysia, but in Southeast Asia, I feel, because for, for young people who don't know what they want to do with their life, I think you want to be doing this. You, you go out into a new country where the cost of living is low and you try and hustle and make some money. And then you, you get, I don't know, you, you have, you learn so much about managing and about, getting clients and about working abroad in general. I mean, it wasn't all easy. I hope it doesn't, I don't make it sound like it was easy because Jesus, it wasn't, but it, you learn a lot. You learn a lot. And what I wanted to ask you is, um, first of all, is, is you, you went back to Europe. Is a, is a health system in Malaysia? Is it, uh, is it better or same or worse than in Europe? And the other question is, um, you mentioned also doing things after each other is, is sometimes the best way or you cannot do everything at one time. I always struggle not doing everything at, at one time. <laughs> so how do you do that, that you pick the right things and do them one step after each other? Uh, so you forgot health system. I had health insurance, so they covered... Uh, they covered all my inpatient. So once I'm admitted, they covered that. But everything that was outpatient, so doctor consultations, I had to pay it myself and then claim it back. But you know how insurance is. So I have to wait a bit. Um, I don't know. Me, they're extremely incompetent in Malaysia. And it would drive me crazy, you know, typos in the emails. So I didn't get the emails. Or um, they would call me and say, we didn't get an email from insurance. And then I would literally have to go on their computer and be like, 
there is the email. Can you not see? So <laughs> anyway, I'm already getting angry just talking about it. I, <laughs> I was driving, it was, they were driving me crazy, extremely incompetent. They were nice. Yeah, that's fine. Doctors, I, I can't really, maybe not. I don't think it's very high level of, of I, I don't really, I, I, it's hard to compare because all the issues I've been dealing with them in Malaysia, not, not here. I just mm. got here, you know? So I can't really compare, but extremely incompetent and it would drive me crazy. And your other question, I'm not really sure what you mean. I mean, if you're talking about career exploration, making money and lifestyle, I think it makes sense to start with making money, but it's, it's just, it's, it's really, it depends on every person. What do you, what is your priority and what do you care about the most? Because one year ago, I didn't really care that much about making money. I was all about career exploration. But then when this health issue hit me, I was like, I, I need to, I need to be sure to have this buffer because, you know, stuff does happen. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're middle-aged or if you're older, stuff happens and there's nothing worse than dealing with admissions, dealing with your being in pain, dealing with being in a country by yourself. And on top of that, worrying about money because you're like, I've spent so much on doctors already. I don't want to get tested for dengue. I, he's This doctor was like, you might have dengue. I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I have dengue. He was like, but you need to try. Maybe you have dengue. And then I was like, oh my God, I have to pay for another test. I don't want to have to worry about that. You know, in the future, I'll be like, don't worry, I'll, I'll pay for the test. But that test cost me another hundred euros, you know? And I was like, Jesus. Yeah, everyone always says health is a priority. Health is number one. It doesn't matter about the money. Only worry about it. But yeah, that's easy to say. But when you keep spending so many euros on these tests, and they come back negative, like meaning they come back, everything is normal. In your mind, you're like, why should I pay for another test? They're just going to come back normal. Anyway, you see what I'm trying to say here. It's just, it's, it's a balancing act and it's very subjective. Depends what you care about in that moment. If you don't mind being broke, then go ahead and do a career exploration. But if you value making money and, and not having that anxiety, then go ahead and make money, you know? So you sometimes you have to reprioritize, although you haven't yeah. finished the first exactly. the step you, you were on and you can continue later on after that. So I guess what I'm just going to say is that now I'm going to focus on making money. I'm putting the career testing on hold. I'm going to stay in Europe for a bit. And once I have the money flowing again, then I'm going to go out and career test. But I need, I'm going to build my buffer up again because I'm not as carefree and <laughs> as crazy as a year ago, I guess. Sadly, I had a reality check, wake up call. But Armita, crazy is good. Crazy keeps you alive and keeps life awesome, but go ahead and fire away with And questions. it also kills you sometimes, so be careful about that. Okay, so Alvar, <laughs> compared to our episode 29, can you tell us a bit, give us a bit of an update, tell us what your savings rate is, your return on investment, and overall a bit of a summary of where you're at right now. Awesome, will do. Compared to you guys, my life has actually been pretty boring um, over the last uh, months. Well, actually, if we, let's go first back to January. Um, I switched jobs. I moved back into IT from pharmaceuticals. Back into IT, I've always been working in IT, but just moved my main job back there. Um, now, the cool part is I am working five minutes from home. So I've the last year, I've just really been trying to build, let's call it the most closest lives I can get towards Fi. So I'm working 35 hours a week at my main job. It's five minutes from home. Um, I've got nice colleagues and it's really just uh, definitely challenging, but trying to like minimize the time I spent on work, maximizing what I can earn over there, combining the two with each other. And has that yielded any results? Am I saving more? Uh, the answer is 
kind of, it's been going okay so far if we talk about savings rate, because if we go back to January to episode 29, I was saying, anyway, I want to save between 50 to 80% of uh, my monthly income. And I am like really trying to build these really strong habits, keep them in place, keep them going and don't overfocus on exact details. Just simply, if I say 59%, hey, job done. If it's 57, so be it. Anyway, it ends up being so far 58% for uh, 2019, the 11 months we've been running. So I managed to say 58% from uh, the income I'm getting from my job, which right now um, is roughly kicking around uh, 1,700 pounds a month in terms of what I'm saving uh, from my actual monthly income uh, that's coming out of my job. I managed to, uh, at the same time, lower my living expenses also quite a bit. So my salary increased also a bit with you know over the last year, but minimal. It's mainly just the drop in what I'm spending on housing, on food, on living costs and going for dinner. That's that has like, you know, kept it stable at the same time. I've spent quite a uh, fair bit more on holidays. So combine the two and really focusing on what I value. That's what I've been busy with the last months. So if we look from like a high level overview, how's it been looking, cutting housing costs, upping spending on holiday and trying to experience more uh, spending less time at work more at things like for example the podcast other side projects i started a number of courses again and have been focusing more on like personal studying and kind of like navigating more and more into it so that in a nutshell you know where has my life been navigating towards i also think it's quite interesting to mention you know have I actually earned anything on the investments i made so if we're talking roi i said earlier in the episode in january I want to make between 10 and 15%. Um, has that been working out? Not really. So our mint and Matthias made pretty substantial ROIs. Mine is standing at like um, 8 to 9% if we take everything in consideration. Peer-to-peer lending, ETFs, dividend stocks. If you take everything together, it's probably like 9-ish percent. And would I have liked it to be higher? Yeah, absolutely. But why is it this level? Well, I've moved quite a bit of, of money into cash and lower yielding safer assets well why because i am gonna buy a house uh that's i guess the biggest reveal or biggest change versus um a year ago i'm really in the process of this very moment saving up uh, all the cash that's needed uh, to purchase an awesome property here in edinburgh and then the whole uh, house hacking component will become more and more into life because i'm house hacking up to a certain extent right now but it's going to be even more suitable slash useful if I actually own the property myself. And it will even be more doable when I own the property myself, because we're at this very moment looking at a two bedroom uh, here in in a neighborhood called Leech, getting one over there, um, two bedroom, renting uh, two bedrooms potentially out, Airbnb being one of them, potentially combining it. That would really be the A for 2020. Get a property, get it arranged, um, obviously live in there ourselves for first period get used to it and then on the long run get a as we call here in the uk a lodger make the lodger pay the mortgage i'm not necessarily pay the mortgage but just help with the living expenses and offer them a good space to return uh well a good space to live in return for that so i guess that's kind of like being the short summary of my life uh in terms of the fi components but what i also think is important mentioning do i still care about fi have i changed is it 
you know, do I still want to become Foy? And I think the answer is like in 2019 and before, I was a lot more like, okay, I need to get there as fast as possible. And um, if I don't get her by X, Y, Z, I'm going to go nuts. That's less of the case, I would say. I've spoken to so many people in the Foy movement over um, the last year. Organized tons of meetups. Um, a couple of months back, I had like a really big meetup with uh, Barney, the escape artist, who came over. Um, yeah, he came all the way to Edinburgh to visit the Fringe. And also, David Sawyer, uh, the writer of Reset, the financial independence book uh, here in the UK. And these guys, they came together. We had this meetup with like 45 people in a bar here and just all chatting together about financial independence. Why are people doing it? And it's speaking to so many people, it changes your perspective on fi on what you care about what matters what doesn't and i guess after all of that i've just realized do i care about fi yeah um would i love to have five hundred thousand in the bank right now and kind of like do whatever i want yeah but that it also it's good and nice but at the same time i want to live my life right now i want to enjoy the journey and even if i had that amount of cash i still think i would stay working up to a certain level just because we all like to be challenged so do i still want to become fun yeah but it, it's going to be my modified personal version of Fi, where, you know, I have the options and I have the choices. And I guess that's my new definition, not necessarily the financial freedom of the world, but having the financial options and being able to make whatever choice you want. That's the goal for Fi for myself in the end. And hopefully I will get there eventually. But for now, I'm just going to keep enjoying the journey as much as possible um, together with my co-hosts. Yeah, wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. Thank I hope you. you will find a great house for yourself <laughs> and uh, then you can also start house hacking, which is also a pretty new or new field to play on. Well, thank you, Alvar, for giving us a bit of an update. I will probably see you in about a month and uh, we can Yay. discuss your, yeah, we can, I'm going back to Edinburgh and we can talk about, um, you know, your house hacking and uh, it's quite cool that you're, that uh, Barney and David Sawyer came all the way to Edinburgh and you, you guys should have recorded something together, but I guess whatever, next time. So moving on, I have disappeared for about six months. Uh, so I don't really, along with our audience, it'd be interesting to hear from you guys. What has happened to the podcast and what are the goals for the podcast? Can you tell us a bit, how has the podcast been doing? Give us some numbers a bit. I don't know, Alvar, tell me a bit what has been, give, give us a bit of an update with the, the podcast. Absolutely. So in a nutshell, uh, well, we crossed 100,000 downloads um, a month ago. By now, we're actually, I believe, staying at like 107, 108-ish, which is really, really awesome uh, that that's possible that so many people are apparently willing to listen to us um, and follow the journey, be part of the journey and go from there. Just to give listeners an idea of like how many people actually listen to an episode. So on average... Uh, it's roughly fifteen to sixteen hundred downloads per episode, and with a high of twenty eight hundred, the highest download number. And we've got a few older ones which have like yeah, not so many downloads, but I would say the average is like fifteen to sixteen hundred ish per download. And we also launched a Facebook group, which has over four hundred members right now, up and running since early August. And that's also been really awesome for us having this community communication channel. But people can just fire away feedback. Uh, we've had some really great feedback, really constructive as well. And people just effectively saying, we want to see X, Y, Z, or telling us guys, you know, all good and nice that you're saying this, but it's not true. Or I would have liked to see it in this way. So that's been really helpful for us. And I guess that's also, you know, 
seeing this journey, if we look at like by now the last 17, 18 months, how fast we have grown, what we've done in between. And yeah, it's also first, this is all a really big personal project because we all easily spend 10 hours, 10, 12 hours a week on this of our own time to like make it work because we believe in this. We find it awesome. And we obviously learn and benefit in many personal ways as well. But it's really like seeing that growth, seeing people willing to listen to it. That's really why we're doing this. Um, but at the same time, we're realizing, okay, over the last um, 60, 17, whatever months, it's been okay, but quality-wise, we see many components of episodes where we're like, okay, we can definitely do this better. Research-wise, that just sometimes is certain information missing, which we could have easily found. And why is that not happening? Lack of time, lack of manpower. So we thought, let's change that. So we brought uh, a number of volunteers um, who are, well, we're all volunteers technically, but anyway, we're just helping out with the podcast and that's really the idea like uh, for the next year trying to up the quality as much as possible and get to like a level where we have strong community-based episodes and combining that just with our regular tuesday episodes so tuesdays will be really for interviews for just discussing like really interesting people their journeys and the fridays will really be our let's call them just a you know Kind of like everything can happen, community-based, happy to talk about uh, the world episodes. It, it's really get um, make that difference in concepts and go from there and try to build that, keep it up. And if we can keep those two running for like the next year, that would be seriously awesome. But at the same time, we also have to uh, be honest on the fact that running this podcast, it's costing a lot of time and it's also costing us quite a bit of money like personally ourselves in the last 18 months we've just been filling it ourselves out of our own pockets and as much as we love this it's expensive and that's something we would really like to change and get it to break even so we don't have to pay it out of pocket anymore so we are in uh, this very moment uh, on the look for a sponsor and that's one of those things i know many people hate having to listen to ads but it's always kind of like the choice where do you go for ads will allow us to in the end get more money in, hire people to the quality of the podcast, no longer uh, pay the freelancers out of pocket ourselves. Yeah, also at the same time, everything we've put in over the last months kind of recoup that the little bit. To have the podcast at a break-even level makes it for us, you know, more justifiable to say I'm going to spend 10, 12 hours on something and I'm not also spending X, Y, Z, hundreds of euros a month out of pocket on that. So that's why we're going to get a sponsor. Some people might hate it, some people might love it, but it's just something in the end for every project it is needed to a certain extent and i will not ramble on too long about sponsors because we also got some really cool extra things um coming up uh event wise and matthias is going to tell us a little bit more about that because matthias i know we've got uh, another five retreat coming up and a whole bunch of ideas regarding events uh, for the future you would like to run can you tell the listeners a little bit more about what can they expect in terms of webinars, events, uh, retreats, fire away? Yeah, obviously, we are also um, doing again next year the Financial Independence Retreat 2020. I'm really excited about it. Also, it's a content, planning new content, planning new formats um, of interaction with participants. And yeah, getting a great new uh, location. So I'm really looking forward to it. I also plan to do something um, with philanthropy so a new philanthropy i think the landscape is really changing and maybe we yeah integrate that in the fi retreat or do the separate separate way 
so not sure about that. We have um, what we always do is running meetups in Edinburgh, but in, in Ireland with Michael together, but also in Germany. In Germany, I have kind of four, five groups. Uh, some one is about fintech, the other are FI related, and I want to continue that and also provide uh, yeah better better content there, good speaker and so on. So that's that's always something I, I will continue. And I think we also will offer some webinars um, because sometimes podcast is limited because you have no screen. So and if you want to teach somebody about certain topics and it might be uh, helpful to have a webinar where you can follow a screen, share or just also see sometimes the people you that are in it. So we will experiment with a webinar and I hope you um, will join that if you and tell us that you find it interesting. And yeah, that's, that's what we basically have planned right now. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks, Matthias. And if any listeners have ideas for content, they would like to see episodes, they want to join an episode themselves, give us a shout, send us an email, um, join in the discussion on the Facebook groups, because it's really, this project is community driven. It's not about us. It's about the blogs. It's about the listeners. It's about everybody at once together. We're a community and these episodes are only as good as uh, the content we can bring together and I bring to what you bring towards ourselves and learn from that. So yeah, if you got any ideas, we've already had some great ones brought forward and we're definitely like really, if you post something, an idea, we will do it. We will ask you, come on to the show. No joke. Um, that's as easy as this one email and you're on. And that's really where we're aiming at for now. Yeah. And I guess that would be the episode slowly for today. I hope this has been of value, um, everybody. And yeah, anyway, have a very good evening and guys, thank you so much for joining me. Ciao, ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are not enough financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.